Thanks for tuning in to It's All About Story. My name is Alvin, and I'm a second-year student here at Story Academy. Today's episode is about the pitch. Now, some of us dread it, some of us love it, but we all gotta do it. And here to help us do that is Bob Schultz. He's one of the lecturers here at school who specializes in teaching the art of pitching. And today I've had the honor and pleasure of interviewing him. I thought we had a very interesting conversation, and I hope you can take away a lot from it. So, without further ado, here is my interview with Bob Schultz. Enjoy. All right. So, uh, thanks very much for coming on, Bob. It's really a pleasure having you. Thanks for inviting me. It's uh, always a delight to come to Sweden and teach the students as they try to become filmmakers and screenwriters. It's always a great group and a great experience. And now that the pandemic is over, it's fantastic to be able to come in person again. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so why don't we start with you just uh, doing a quick introduction? Who are you and what's your background and so on? Sure. Um, my name is Bob Schultz. I've been some adjacently or directly in the screenwriting and producing game for 15 or 20 years. I produce mostly horror. I write anything that someone will hire me to write as well as some specs. I also do a lot of teaching and instruction, either one-on-one -on -one or coming to different schools or for different universities and educational institutions around Europe and, and America. I uh, do consult work with production companies and producers who want to sort of punch up their script or, or get it better. So I try to keep my feet wet in the waters of screenwriting any way I possibly can. It's uh, kept me going and kept me happy for as long, for most of my adult life. Right, yeah. And so it sounds like you're uh, invested in a lot of areas of screenwriting from, you know, all, all the, you know, script stuff uh, all the way to uh, in pre-production, basically. Right? Yeah, I mean, we can't really, we can't all be writing Spider-Man movies. Uh, there just are only so many job opportunities there. Not that I wouldn't love to write a Spider-Man movie, but it's, uh, you know, writing smaller things. It's, it's a industry where quite often you need to sort of find other work in, in order to make ends meet, but it's a, it's a win to be able to find that other work also in the film industry or also in screenwriting. So helping people with their scripts, teaching people about story structure or character arcs or different types of writing, I think is very satisfying to me if, as I move forward on my screenwriting journey, helping others feel comfortable moving forward on theirs too, whether they be brand new writers or people later in life who've decided they're trying to take on this challenge. Mm, yeah. All right. And uh, so uh, one of the things you specialize in is uh, pitching, and that's what you've been here lecturing to us about and uh, giving us feedback on our pitches in the last three days. And it's been really great. So thank you for that. And uh, that's also what this interview is going to focus on mainly. So uh, would you just uh, want to start by defining what is a pitch? What is it and uh, when does it happen? Sure. I mean, that is an easy question to answer insofar as there's no real direct specific answer. Pitching can take place under all kinds of different circumstances. A pitch is basically a efficient, quick, entertaining, emotional summation of your story. It needs to have basically a setup. It needs to have some very specific details in the middle. And then you really want some kind of a hook that indicates how your story is different from all the other similar stories out there. It's an indication of what you're writing, 
who the characters are, but most importantly, your own personal voice and what kind of a writer and what kind of a person you would be to work with. Right, right. And so why is this necessary in the industry? Why can't you just, you know, send your script to a production company? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, people do <laughs> and often never hear anything ever again. It's like throwing your screenplay into the Grand Canyon, which is filled with 200 million other screenplays. Producers, actors, agents are focused more on who they want to work with rather than the project specifically. Very often the project you pitch will serve as a good writing sample for them to get a taste of what you can write or a or a, an indication of what your voice is or whatever. But through your pitch, through a verbal pitch where you're actually talking to another human being, they can assess whether you're somebody who would be a good team player. It's important for screenwriters to recognize that Writing is a very solitary endeavor. Usually it's just you and your imagination. But filmmaking is very collaborative. So you sort of have to move from a solo act into a team. So you need to be a team player. And your pitch is going to indicate what kind of a person you are. If you're, I mean, it sounds kind of trite, but it comes down to if you're somebody who's fun to hang out with. To spend a lot of time with because when you're making a movie you spend a lot of time with the same people and without getting a break through very stressful circumstances and you need to make sure that your personality is something that people want to hang with having said that i don't think it's important i don't think it's a good idea to pretend to be something you're not i tend to be kind of a gregarious personality and i try to go for the laugh a lot of the time and in some writers rooms and in some production scenarios that serves to elevate the energy or that can serve to um, make people excited or happy to be there or just diffuse some stress. But sometimes it's just like enough already. You know, sometimes my personality doesn't fit in with a particular pro project and that's okay. I got no problem with that. It's good to get that out of the way. So that's why I think a good pitch is indicative of who you are and your voice and what you want people to know, not only about your story, but what you think is cool and how you express yourself. As the song goes, it ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. That's what gets results. And I think too often writers who are sort of learning how to pitch put up this artifice. They try to do a, a performance rather than just have a conversation about their story and what they like about stories and what movies and TV shows inspired them and that kind of thing. Mm, right. So it sounds, uh, when you say it, it sounds like it's even almost even more about the person you are than the project you pitch. I mean, there it takes a lot of skills to be a successful writer. Writing well is, you know, a lot of it. <laughs> it's 35 or 40 percent of it. Um, but also being a person who works well on a team, being a professional, being able to take accept notes and do a rewrite quickly um, understanding that you might have to implement changes that you don't necessarily believe in uh, accepting that you as soon as you sell your script you lose power so there's ego but there's also humility so there's a lot of who you are that goes into being a successful writer other than writing well and pitching is just one of those things um, 
pitching well, you know, being able to say something succinctly is an extraordinarily valuable skill. If someone's moving quickly and has a lot of things to do, they can't have you talking for 25 minutes to explain why the spy has a not, has a watch that shoots laser beams. You know, it, it, they're just like, okay, here it is, boom, boom, boom. Okay, we're good, let's go. Um, things move very quickly and we need to be ready for it. So yeah, pitching is one of those skills, but there are lots of other ones too, which is why it's so important to early in your career Find people who are sort of creatively aligned with you and who you see eye to eye with and who have the same sense of humor or the same idea of what movies work or whatever, because people you meet early start building that community that means everything to you. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas made Indiana Jones, but they met in film school, yeah. you know, it's and and so I mean, or before. So it's it's about building these creative connections with people who are like-minded and staying in touch and getting on WhatsApp or getting on the phone and saying, oh man, I saw this movie last night and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, more so than just being so agenda-driven, so by my script oriented. It's just about meeting people in an environment where maybe someday you'll be colleagues, maybe you won't. Right, yeah. Uh, cool. And so uh, you briefly mentioned uh, before the structure of a pitch that it's like this idea of a setup, uh, sort of act two and then a punchline. Uh, so would you uh, want to briefly just go into that a bit more? What is the overall structure, would you say, of a successful pitch? Look, I think it's my belief that a successful pitch is structured just like a joke. The tone is like if you're hanging out at the pub with your friends and just telling them with a story. But the structure, if you're looking to structure one, is like a joke. You have a premise, you have a setup, and you have a punchline. Now, even if you're not writing comedy, that structure works because the punchline in a joke is meant to make you laugh. The punchline in a pitch can make you laugh, but it also could be used just to make somebody say, wow, or that's unusual, or just wake them up and say, what, what, what? That was amazing. Um, it is the part of the pitch that indicates how your story is different from somebody from every other story. I don't want to discourage anybody listening right now, but the fact is there are no original stories left. Yeah. Every story that we could tell has been told. Um, the details might change. Things might move around, but it's boy meets girl, girl boy loses girl. Like, you know, there, there's eight or nine of them. I don't know what it is. Um, what makes a story original is the way in which that story is delivered. Um, so the hook of your pitch, the punchline, if you will, is what your unique take is on it. Um, and you need to have that moment where people say, okay, we've all heard the expression that what producers want is the same but different. It's easy to market the same. We're putting out a romantic comedy right now. We know what a romantic comedy is. We know that they're going to meet cute. We know that they're going to have obstacles get in the way of their love. And the only thing that can, and the only people who don't know they belong together is them. We in the audience know, everyone else in the movie knows. And then in the end, they finally get together. That's great. That's what we expect from a rom-com. But then what makes your rom-com different from other rom-coms? You know, I'm telling you about, I'm talking about a romantic comedy now, but instead of 
boy meets girl. Instead, it's the moon falls in love with the earth and wants to get closer. And uh, unfortunately, if they kiss, the entire human race gets wiped out. You know, so it's the same story told differently means that we can market it and but also say here's the here's the strange twist on it um you you need your pitch to represent all those parts right what makes it familiar the first part of your pitch the premise is like in a joke a horse walks into a bar right a horse walks into a bar six words sets up the entire story that we need to know and even though it's absurd, a horse would never walk into a bar, theoretically. Um, it doesn't matter. We accept it. We right. know that we're in the situation. Yeah. Right? So it's like a horse walks into a bar. Got it. Good. Okay. Then we need to introduce whatever information we need to appreciate the hook. Horse walks into a bar. Bartender, he sits down on the stool. <sighs> His eyes heavily depressed. So now we know we have a depressed horse that walks into a bar. Bartender comes over and says, "Why the long face?" So now, so that's a big wacky punchline, and everyone, and and everyone has a nice laugh, and it's like, okay, now I know the the horse walks into a bar joke, and I know how it goes, and it sticks in your head because of that payoff at the end that works. Right. It has that satisfying conclusion, that inevitable but surprising conclusion, but also, it's it leaves out so much information, which I think is just as important for writers to recognize. Not only what goes into a pitch. But what to leave out of a pitch? Mm. You don't identify what the bartender looks like. We don't identify what the horse orders. We don't identify what the bar is like. How does the stool support the weight of a horse? None of this stuff is in it. And also what's not in it is the detail that you need to appreciate the punchline. I didn't say a horse walks into a bar. And as we all know, horses have very long faces. And there's an English expression that says long face. Why the long face is what you say to someone who's depressed. You leave stuff for the audience to understand in, in, in the interest of brevity, conciseness, and that punchiness right. that comes from a punchline. And if somebody doesn't get it, that's too bad. But a well-written pitch, if it doesn't hit with anyone, they're like, I don't, they will say, I don't get it. And you're like, okay, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know that English isn't your first language. Long face is something, you know, blah, blah, blah. And at any rate, it succeeds in getting the conversation started with somebody. Films are made by people, and people only trust other people as they get to know them. So the purpose of a pitch is to get a conversation started mm. with the other person. If the conversation starts with, I don't get it, that's still a started conversation. That's much, much better than, nah, not for me, right? Which you might get sometimes. Right. But don't be unhappy don't don't feel like you need to add and add and add and add detail because what you think you're doing is making it clear but what you're really doing is making is obfuscating the important parts of your story which is what they need to say to get to that next step which is i'd like to read the script mm. right and i think also that notion that par parallel to you know telling a joke uh holds weight in also the way that you know if you offer up too much information if you in, in the joke, like, oh, a long face means someone who's depressed. Then when the punchline comes, uh, it's not going to be funny because we already know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, so I, I take it that we need to let the audience do the work uh, in order to de deliver that punchline. And if the audience can do the work themselves, that's going to make it more impactful. Yeah. And would you say that's true then in both a joke and a pitch? And a screenplay. Yeah. I mean, all those different things. It's, I mean... I can 
go to 15 different quotes from people with a lot more credibility than I have. Aristotle said that endings must be both surprising and inevitable. Stephen King said the, the, the story should start in the writer's mind, but e- imagination, but end in the reader's imagination. Right. Um, it's, it's just the case that you can't telegraph these things and you have to trust your audience a certain amount. And somebody who I, do, who I don't remember who it is, another one is like, never ever tell your audience two plus two equals four. Tell them two plus two and let them get to four mm. on their own. And that is true in pitches. That is true in screenplays. That's true in one-pagers. It's true in all these things. And the beauty of a give them two plus two and they'll get to four is that if your pitch works and you're talking to somebody who gets it, they will start pitching ideas back to you. Mm. It's like, you know, I say horse walks into a bar and the bartender, the you know, bartender says, why the long face? And then the person I'm pitching might say, you know, what would be really cool is if the, if two horses come into the bar. Like they all of a sudden they, they come up with bits. They come up mm. with scenes. They say, what happens if this happens? And when they start asking you questions back, then you got them. Right. You know, then you know that they're like they're invested enough in the reality of your screenplay mm. that they care. And this is where it becomes important to be very knowledgeable about your story. The good news is anyone who's written a story knows more about the story than anyone else does. But, you know, they start asking questions about what happens here? What about if this happens? How about this? And now you're, all of a sudden you're having a conversation about your screenplay as if it's a movie that's already been made. As if you're hanging out with your buddies and you just saw the new Spider-Man movie. You're like, wasn't it cool when all three Spider-Mans were flying around together at the same time? Um, yeah, that was cool. And you're having that wouldn't it be cool moment with somebody which means they're already seeing it in their imagination as a movie and you've overcome that hump of of, i've written this and i want it to be a movie to seeing the potential that it might become a movie Mm. um you can only do that by giving them less right if you give them everything you have no space for them to play in Mm. but if you give them less that gets their imagination going and they become a part of the story that's right we all have it man we all have books or tv shows or movies which made us which thrilled us with imagination right. um when we were kids maybe or teenagers or something happened where it was just like oh my god this is i've never felt this way before seeing something mm. and when and you know that it becomes your favorite movie or your favorite tv show or maybe not a tv show movie. maybe it's a song you know maybe it's it's some other experience a sports team or something um but that moment of inspiration exists in all of us and our jobs as writers is try to fan that spark into a flame Mm. for our story right yeah yeah uh and uh i think uh, we've also went into this but uh are there any other like must-have aspects of a pitch that you can uh, think of the most important aspect of a pitch is that i get an idea of who you are as a person we did touch on this a little bit but the instinct for so many writers is to write out a pitch and memorize it like you're memorizing lines of a play. Yeah. And the problem with doing that is if you forget your lines, you get completely lost in the weeds mm. and you sit there silent and like, I forgot what I was doing. Oh my God, I'm lost, whatever. If you're just calmly talking to somebody as you talk with your own personality, you can forget what you're going to say like we all do. 
I'm sure, even without realizing it, in the course of this podcast, I say um or uh a few times as I'm trying to collect my thoughts. That's okay in a pitch because that's okay in reality. Mm. Screenplays and movies are where everybody speaks perfectly. In reality, talking about these things is the uh, is where we eat our lunch and where we get success. Now, another thing that is important to include is that big hook, even if it's the ending. We need to start as writers, as new writers, we need to stop thinking ourselves entirely as fans of movies mm. and thinking also as professionals, those who assess stories, those who develop and create stories. We shouldn't worry about spoilers in the context of pitching mm. because the person hearing the pitch is trying to assess whether you can tell a good story. So forgive me for the sixth sense spoiler, but if you're pitching the sixth sense, it's about a kid who sees dead people and the psychiatrist who after getting shot um, has left the business and he comes back to help this guy. And it turns out he was a ghost the entire time. That hook is what gets people to read the script. And you're talking to a professional who wants to assess the script not somebody who's going to pay money to eat popcorn and watch the movie and appreciate the ending when it comes. So what we're doing is trying to build a team who together will impress that popcorn eating audience member rather than trying to impress the person you're pitching as if they're an audience member. Mm. They, If you have this amazing twist in your story, definitely include it in the pitch. Make them feel like you just slapped them in the face uh, with this turn that you that they were not expecting. Um, the art of pitching is just as much about what's not in there as what is in there, but try not to leave out the things that will make the make it the most appealing thing in the world to try to read the script. Mm. You're not trying to get someone to love your script. You're trying to get someone to ask to read your script right. in the first place. Um, you can't say you'll appreciate it if you read it uh, because my response as a producer would be, guess I won't then. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, don't keep it from me. Let me know how the car drives before you ask me to buy the car. Mm. Um, so include the big moments. Include the things that make your story your own. Include the hook. Include your own personality, not in what you say, but in how you say it. And leave out intricate little details and fiddly things that that we don't need to keep in our memory hmm. uh, anyone who's hearing pitches probably hears 100 pitches a week you need to give them enough to remember it but not so much to remember that they forget it because they have to find room for 99 other pitches right yeah and also uh a few other things that i've come to realize over the last three days when we've been pitching uh two things that are uh, easy to leave out but important are uh, the title and the format right we forget these things a lot um <laughs> Not only in not only in pitching, if it makes you feel any better, um, I've had to do, you know, I've done rewrites or assessments of many screenplays, and the you know a lot of screenplay software has a default title page, and it's called you know title of movie by name of writer. Right. You'd be amazed how many times I've had to do an assessment on title of movie by name of writer. <laughs> um, so yes, on your one pagers, on your screenplays, include your name, the name of the project. And the um, and your contact information in the context of context of a pitch, definitely make sure they know your name. I mean, presumably you've been introduced, but let's make sure and, and say your name, the title of the picture, and yeah, people are going to need to know if it's TV or movie. Yeah. Um, 
if it's not clear and don't assume it's clear. Right. Um, TV show or movies big that generally speaking, people in development are developing one or the other. Mm. Um, and the requirements of each medium are different. So if you're, if you're pitching me a, a feature, it better have a beginning, a middle and an end in three acts and about 90 pages. If you're pitching me a TV series, maybe that has eight or 10 episodes with maybe it doesn't have an overarching storyline or maybe it does. And maybe you're not aware of how in every episode there's a different A story, but within the same episode, the B story serves the bigger mythology. So A story, A story, A story, A story, but B taken as a whole, the season, the B stories make the A story of a whole season. It's, it's a little more complicated mm. and often there are more people involved. So it becomes about pitching more of the world and the characters and the general direction. But episode by episode, you're going to want to be in the writer's room and map it all out and put it on the board. So knowing whether it's a TV show or a movie, when I'm hearing a pitch will allow me to know what sort of questions to ask in follow-up to know whether or not it's something I would like to talk about. Mm, yeah. All right. Um, I think those are, uh, some really good points on the structure of the pitch. Um, and uh, one thing I'm curious about your hearing your perspective on is this idea of uh, translating, you know, the the skill of telling a story. I think there are many new writers who feel that they have a skill of telling a story on a, uh, you know, piece of paper on a screenplay. And that's what they like to do in the solitary, you know, uh, context of their own room. Uh, but uh, then taking that and uh, putting that out into words and in speech, I feel I know that's uh, been hard for me, and I know that probably many writers feel that that's a hard thing to do. Uh, so, are there any like pointers you can give to on to writers on how to like harness uh, that talent you have for storytelling on the page to the storytelling uh, verbally? Man, we all hate doing it. Um, it is development of a new skill and as with the development of any new skill we feel like we are bad at it at first and so therefore try not to do it <laughs> and unfortunately you need to have other people in order to make a movie you need to from the very beginning movies cost money so unless you have money, you need to have somebody, you need to raise money. Sad reality. Sad reality. I mean, if even if it's not a producer who pays for it, you know, doing a crowdfund or something still requires interacting with other people. Yeah. Um, if you just socially anxiety, if you get whatever, if you have anxiety around it or anything else, you, you feel like you just cannot do it. The answer is to write a novel first. Right. Novel writing is solitary all the way through. You can self-publish, you can self-promote, you can put it on Amazon, you can promote it on all your social media, do the whole thing. If you want to make a movie, if you want to see your name on the screen, if nothing else, you need somebody who can do the titles of a movie to put your name on the screen. Um, so you, you, what you want to do is, the way that it used to work is that people would move to an entertainment city, move to LA, move to New York, move to London, whatever it is. 
and while there, get involved with the creative community, community theater, stand-up comedy, open mics, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe some acting classes or writing classes, things like this, where other pe- like-minded people would hang out. Um, in those environments, you meet people who you share a philosophy with or comedic sense or whatever. And so you start hanging out. Say, why don't we write something together? You hear people all the time on shows like Saturday Night Live where they, Saturday Night Live where they write sketches. And it's always like, we got hired at the same time. So me and that guy wound up writing together all the time. It's like you find people who you write with well or who share your comedic sensibilities, whatever. And, and in that community, you start making things. That's why you see so many writers and directors working with the same actors all the time. It's because they came up together. Um, or were roommates or something ridiculous. You know, Judd Apatow and Adam Sandler or something were just happened to be roommates, and now they're both tremendously successful. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure if those two are correct, but it's something like that. <laughs> um, but it's uh, if you, you wind up, like, finding people who are sort of have the same affinity but have different ambitions. Mm. So you want to be a writer. Uh, but you meet someone who f- likes the same sort of things you like, but that person wants to direct, mm. you know, and along the way you meet a few people who want to act. Um, and so you all work together. You all sit around and you start talking and all of a sudden you come up with an idea. It's like, we should develop that. So you bust out your, your tablet or your computer and you're like, okay, let's go. Let's write some notes down. And you produce a, you know, a, a one act play or something and sort of building that community of people who, who even the most introverted person gathers around because of their shared creative ambitions and creative philosophies. Now, that used to be the case. Nowadays, it happens a lot more online, which is helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can start, I mean, even on something like TikTok, you can start making very short videos. If you go on YouTube and look up videos, short films that people made with just maybe one or two friends or, you know, or... Or whatever and you start but it's, it comes down still to making things you make stuff and the way you get found is by having stuff out there to find you know and so if i want to write a 200 million dollar epic about samurais that's awesome i like those movies but the way to get your 200 million dollar samurai epic made is by making 50 short films for five dollars each so that you start building a reputation and building an audience and getting people interested and then maybe writing something that's $500,000. That's a smaller sort of rom-com or smaller drama or smaller thriller. Mm. So that you're starting, you're building this trust that someone will, basically when you write a $200 million script, you're saying to somebody, will you please give me $200 million? Mm. You're going to make it back. The only way they're going to trust you that that's going to happen is if you've shown a reputation for success and this is the next step for you, mm. right? So people who say, I want to write this one script and, and it's a go are, I think, just not really putting themselves in the position of the people who need to make these decisions. Right. If I'm in development and I am going to go to my boss and say, spend your $200 million on this, if that thing flops, I am fired. 
So why should I trust this person who I've never met before, who hasn't made anything before, to I'm going to vouch for that and risk my job and therefore my kids don't go to college or get their teeth fixed. Mm. You know, it's as writers, we spend so much time focusing on the writing and on personal development. We forget that the people we're talking to might have different priorities than we have. And we have to be respectful of those. Right. So if I say I want $200 million for this movie, they say, get out of my office. If I say, give me $200 million for this movie. And oh, by the way, my last short film had 60, had 600 million hits and oh by the way i produced this short that was successful in five and ten different festivals and it made its money back and oh by the way i'm doing all this rewrite work for warner brothers uncredited but here it is and you can contact the guy and i'd like for you to consider this script all of a sudden like okay this guy has something going for him he might be worth taking a risk on all right yeah and uh i really think you know That is the reality that we as writers have to face that, uh, as you say, movies are made by people and it's a very, very much a collaborative effort. Uh, and so I think the pitch is definitely a part of that. Um, mm -hmm. But just uh, on the skill of pitching itself, uh, do you think there is a lot of crossover between the ability to tell a story on page and the ability to articulate a story is simply verbally? Uh, how would you say, you know, people who are good at one are often good at both? Or is there some, you know, is there a lot of overlap? Um, I think that many, many people are better at pitching than they think they are. Mm. And I think that they have potential to be better at pitching than they think they are. And their fear of pitching is what gets in their way. Mm. I think if you have a good feeling for what reads well on the page then you have a good feeling for what sounds good through your voice. Um, a lot of writers, particularly those who are still developing, don't particularly have a good feeling for what sounds good on the page. Um, they need to work on it. Um, as with any skill, you start off and you need to practice. Um, it's, it become, it's about a comfort level. And I think that those who can write succinctly with clear voice on the page and think that it's something that's very entertaining to read, yes, most of those people can pitch very entertainingly. You, you take a look at somebody like, uh, like the Coen brothers or like Shane Black or Phoebe Waller-Bridge. They all have such distinct voices. You can watch five seconds of something they've written and say, oh, that's a Waller-Bridge, I know it. And then when you hear Phoebe Waller-Bridge interviewed, You say, oh, she sounds just like the first season of Killing Eve, or she sounds just like Fleabag. Mm. Um, and that's that's an indication of a strong voice, yeah. you know, a strong a strong philosophy. And when she says it, you you're entranced by it, and then you read the script, and you're entranced in exactly the same way. Mm. Um, so it becomes about self awareness and what when I'm talking to my friends when I'm chatting with them in a pub or telling a joke or something, what is it that holds their interest and what is it that doesn't? Um, and seeing if I can transform that into the written word. Now, that only comes from a lot of practice. You become very self-conscious about doing things the right way early on. How do I, do I bold my slug lines? How, where do these things go? Should I have two more white space on the page? All these things that we feel are like little tricks that are going to make sure that our thing gets read. Um, then eventually we, you know, we learn how to 
how to tell a story well and get our structure just right. But until we have to, until we can stop thinking about that and just naturally have it come is where the voice can start to emerge. We're not spending any energy on doing it right and start spending all, all of our energy in doing it our way, mm. you know, and that's when you read a screenplay and you're like, that is, I spoke to Bob yesterday and this sounds like Bob, mm. you know, now again, some people might want to not want to work with me because my we're not a good personality match. That's fine, man. That's the way the world is. But but we if you can get your voice on the page, which comes from practice, then recognize when you are sort of with your verbal communication comfortable enough to just use that respectfully and everything, but to just use your verbal communication instead of changing your personality when it's a pitch. When you can sort of make the your page and the pitch work harmoniously, then yes, it's, it's it, those who do are good at one are good at the other. I think you'll find a lot of us, especially as we go th- as you go through more teaching and, and more practice and whatever, people are so intimidated by the notion of the label of the pitch mm. that they change. It's like, you know, hey, Alban, how's it going? Good, good, good to see you, whatever. Did you see the game the other day? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, hey, what are you working on? The pitch that I now have yeah. is, you know, you turn into a robot, a pitching robot. And um, it becomes being so familiar with other people that you can just talk about your movie as if you're talking about any other movie that you love. Mm. If you love Star Wars and someone comes up to you and says, I'm thinking of seeing that Star Wars what do, you, what do you think? You'd be like, oh, man, it's great. It's spaceships and whatever, you know, laser swords. Like you'd say whatever it is that – but you would say it in a way that you're expressing your inner passion for the thing. Mm. Whereas with your pitch, we get so worried that it's a business sort of environment. We strip ourselves of any of that passion or emotion. But the trick is that passion and emotion is what makes people want to join you on the journey. Mm. You know, So it's like, oh, man – even if it's not something that interests me, you seem to love it so much. I want to know what's up with that, mm. you know, and uh, and we lose sight of that as mm. soon as the label of pitch is put on it. If somehow we could just say, this is not a pitch, just tell me about your story and have people internalize that and believe it, I think everyone would find pitching a lot easier. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And uh, that sort of brings me to my next uh, questions, uh, set of questions that I want to ask you. Because uh, I've, uh, you know, like you say, it's uh, about being natural. It's about showing who you are and your passion for the story. And I think uh, over the last uh, over the last three days, we've seen when someone walks off on stage and just are themselves. That's when it really works. Uh, and I think, you know, personally, I don't think I'm quite there just yet. I'm hoping to get there. Uh, but uh, I and that's also, you know, um yeah, like you say, I think that's the key. Uh, but there's also, as you, as you're talking about this uh, label of this is a pitch, and once you s- start thinking of that, that's very hard to escape, sort of in your mind. Uh, so, uh, do you have any tips on that, like dealing with the nervousness and the urge to prepare uh, and uh, rehearse uh, in order to like get rid of that nervousness? Do you have any? Uh, tips on that yeah I, mean, I don't know get drunk um <laughs> it's uh it's it's the thing is that very often pitching comes up in the wild mm. you know it's like yes we do sometimes we do 
pitching to panels of people. And sometimes there are pitching events or pitch meetings that you go into somebody's office. But very often it's at a cocktail party. You meet someone say, you know, they say, hey, what are you working on? And you need to be naturally pitching there in the moment. So preparing, waiting until you're prepared is not the best solution all the time. It comes from a comfort level, not just of pitching and not just of interacting on a movie professional level, but sort of being able to interact with other human beings as a general small talk rule. Mm. Um, there are classes in it and there are articles on how to do it and so on. But it, what it really boils down to is just being present in the world, reading things outside of textbooks or screenwriting textbook or screenwriting books or anything like this and just being aware of the world knowing about the big stories in the entertainment industry and the big stories in sports even if you don't follow sports and the big political maybe not politics but you know you know a little bit so you can speak intelligently about it what movies are hot right now what's on netflix what's coming out this summer all these different things you need to know so that you can engage in small talk with people mm. you know i don't know much about sweden you know i just haven't been exposed to much swedish history and whatnot um i know a little bit about stockholm because it's the big city i know a little bit about visby because i stayed here a few times um but i can but you can have these conversations with people who are from sweden or from visby um by just being aware of things going on in the world it's like you know during these last three days with the with the class i would say who has seen gilmore girls or who has seen the fly david cronenberg's the fly or whatever probably a half dozen or a dozen different tv or movie projects just came up in conversation almost always more than 50 percent of the hands went up mm. These are American movies from 30, 40 years ago or TV shows, and people have a have an awareness of them. And I think that's fantastic um, because among people in America or England or London even, I see, you know, who's seen Gilmore Girls? And people are like, hmm, you know, and how dare you try to enter into an industry without even having the respect for the people in the industry to have an awareness of what's successful and what's not and what people have worked on and so on. It's this, it, it comes off as a feeling of entitlement, which I think is, is something we ought to avoid. So see things, see movies, watch things, particularly things that you wouldn't ordinarily be a fan of, but they're big. A year ago, 18 months ago, whenever it was, I asked people in a course I was giving, what's the biggest movie on Netflix right now? And nobody could answer it. And it was Squid Game, which only was in the press all over the place. You know, so I understand that we all have lives and we all have family and we all have jobs and so on that we need to pay attention to. But you're trying to enter a culture without learning anything about the culture. And even I know I shouldn't come to Sweden without learning how to say tack because it's polite to say thank you to somebody in their native tongue. So it becomes about the way the tip to becoming a better pitcher is to become a more well-rounded, aware, alert sort of human being so that when you're talking to somebody, the moments before they say, so what are you working on, are appealing to them. You know, you see people in a restaurant and there's 10 of them sitting around a table and some of them are talking to each other, whatever. 
the people who are engaging with the other people are the ones who are going to get that opportunity to pitch mm. um, in the first place. And then when they get that opportunity to pitch, hopefully you've had a few drinks and everything and everything's smooth. But it's like, you know, so what are you working on? Right now? Oh, man, you wouldn't believe it. I love Star Wars. So I wrote the science fiction thing. And the pitch will be, I wrote a science fiction thing. And they're like, they'll say, sounds awesome because they already like you, you know. Um, so be respectful of people who have the power to do something with your story. Recognize that their time is extraordinarily valuable. So if you're going to take any of their time, it better be worth it, including a pitch. And if they ask for your screenplay, the screenplay better be ready. They're not going to waste their time on something that's not there yet. Mm. Um, and... Man, be yourself and engage with them on their terms. Mm. If I say to you, if you want to pitch me and we're hanging out and there's a cocktail party or something or whatever, someone who comes over to me and spends the whole time talking about themselves is less interesting to me than if they say, what brings you here from New York? Or a nice t-shirt or whatever it is. Um, so engage with them on their terms and give them the opportunity to talk while you listen. And eventually turn it to to your own thing. It's amazing how many people think that it's appropriate to walk up to somebody and the first time they've ever met them, say, "Hi, I'm Bob. Here's what you can do for me." Mm. And their response is always, "I have if I have enough power to greenlight a movie, my whole life is people saying, "Here's what you can do for me. Mm. Here's a favor I want from you. Here's here's something I need you to do." What a revelation to have someone ask me questions and let me talk for a while. Um, it's about thinking of the industry as people rather than as a great big brick wall with no doors that won't let you in. And as soon as you start addressing the people as other human people, you're going to find a greater rate of success. Mm, right. Yeah, I uh, can't argue with that one. And uh, I think this is also... Uh, Like you say, uh, or I get the impression that in the industry, uh, the majority of pitching happens, you know, in the wild, so to speak, on a, in the cocktail, on the cocktail party or uh, wherever, like wherever you meet these people. Um, and uh, so that's what you're sort of saying, that uh, you create a connection to them, which would be your audience in quotes. Uh, by, you know, talking to them on their terms. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's this other uh, sort of uh, situation, which is uh, a bit rarer, uh, but which we have had for the last uh, few days, where you go up on a stage and pitch. Uh, and uh, that's also something you get to do here at Story Academy. Uh, yearly, we have a pitch in uh, Stockholm, uh, where we get up on a stage And so do you have any tips on creating that connection to your audience when it's uh, a more, you know, performatory situation where you're on a stage? How do you create, you know, some kind of connection to the audience then? Yeah. Um, public speaking, American comedian Jerry Seinfeld does a bit about how there was a poll done about what people are the most afraid of. And number one was public speaking and number two was death. Yeah. So, you know, if you're at a funeral, people would much rather be in the co in the coffin than delivering the eulogy. Um, yeah. And it's true. I mean, for whatever reason, we're all terrified of public speaking. I'm terrified of public speaking. and I do it for a living. So I get it. You know, it, it's very, very scary. The the tips for pitching in a performative scenario are the same as for any public speaking. So that's an advantage. 
you can learn by watching films of people speaking. Um, you can learn by just, I'm sure if you just look up how to be a more effective public speaker, you'll find some. But what it boils down to for me is this, projecting with your voice. Make sure the person in the last seat in the last row can hear you. Um, stand relatively close to the front of the stage so that you don't get swallowed up by the stage. If you have a lectern, it's okay to stand behind it and, and that's fine because probably where the microphone is. But if you are out there without a lectern or anything like that, it's okay to walk around, but make sure you're facing the audience. Mm. Um, and then eye contact is super important. You, you, you want to speak to the back of the room, but as much as you can, move your head back and forth so that you're making eye contact with as many people in the audience as possible. Um, it's possible, you know, it's likely there'll be an audience of some kind, maybe of your classmates or something, but the people who will be there to hear the pitches, the producers and executives, um, are the ones who you're really speaking to. So try to catch their eyes along the way. Use your hands expressively. Point and, and gesture with your hands. Otherwise, you just don't know what to do with your hands. Um, and of course, you know, don't go beyond your time. If you don't have someone with your pitch at two minutes, you're not going to get them at four. You know, so it's uh, so it's okay to just not succeed with the pitch rather than just drone on and on and on, hoping to rescue it. Mm. Um, that doesn't really work. It's uh, and then don't beat yourself up if you didn't say something you meant to say or whatever. Just get it right the next time. Mm. It is a learning process. If you have any sort of rituals or habits or something that can or if you can develop them, something that can help you before you go on that helps calm you down breathing exercises or yoga or something. I bounce a pink rubber ball. Um, the, the, if you can do that, it'll help you sort of clear the mechanism and just go out there and do your thing. I cannot tell you how many times I've gone on stage to give a presentation or teach a course, come off stage, everyone loved it, and I don't remember a single thing. Mm. That fear and stress just kind of like says, okay, I am now public persona Bob. <laughs> you know, and the more you can do that, the better, um, the more you can sort of get into character um, and just think this isn't me. This is the person who is pitching right now. Mm. Um, it helps take away any like high stakes you have or whatever. And if something and if you have the chance, I strongly, highly recommend finding the chance either the night before or the morning of or whatever. Just get up there and walk around on the stage just so that you're familiar with the space where you're going to be speaking. If the lights are on, even better. So you can see how the light feels in your face. If you're expecting to make that eye contact I talked about, but there's a spotlight blocking your vision, all of a sudden there's nobody for you to look at, and it can be very disorienting. Mm. So give yourself the opportunity to like remove as much randomness as possible so that it's just sort of you in the zone. Mm. You see, you hear the same thing with like people who, you know, sports stars and actors stage actors in particular it's just like you know five minutes before they go on they just clear their head and get in the right space and then just go out there and do it baseball pitchers in the american sport of baseball to a person have a ritual they get up the morning they're going to pitch they get up they eat the same breakfast they they go and they warm up and do this precisely the same amount of wind sprints and jumping jacks and practice pitches and and talk to and people know not to talk to them during that time or to talk to them a lot depending on what each one is so you need to find your find your rituals 
that help you deal with that anxiety and focus on being nothing but this pitch machine that you are. Right. Yeah. And just uh, to that point, because I think that's interesting and I can very much, you know, uh, see, uh, I recognize that feeling of taking on a persona, a public speaking persona, whenever you need to get up on a stage. Uh, but, uh, and I think doing that is uh, to an extent necessary. Uh, but there's also the notion of what we talked about before, uh, that the pitch is about showing who you are and uh, showing you. And so that seems like almost sort of a paradox that you have to take on this persona, but you also have to, uh, you know, show who you are at the same time. So would you mind expanding on that? Yeah, sure. I, I think that when fear of public speaking or fear of anything presents itself, it prevents us from being who we really are. Mm. We are this, we become animalistic. Fight or flight kicks in. The same thing that happens to bunny rabbits when there's a bear in the area, you know? So it's like we, all these, all these, like our personality and who we are reverts to lizard brain instinct. I cannot do this. I got to get out of here. Or I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make these people sorry they made me feel this way. Mm. If you can get rid of that, what is left is who you really are. The persona that you present is the best version of yourself mm. in this presentation. So it's not that I'm going to say, okay, what would Tony Soprano do? And then go out there and be like, hey, gabagool, you know, <laughs> I, I'm... I need to know what would the best version, how would the best version of Bob handle this thing? How would the guy who wrote this script get people to want to read this script? And since I'm that person, I'm basically playing the role of myself in the best way that I am. Now, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you you forget what you were going to say. Sometimes you lose sight of yourself. Sometimes instead of thinking about what you're doing or thinking about nothing at all, clearing the mechanism, you're thinking about, oh, man, I have a pebble in my shoe. I mean, or you see somebody it's like, oh, I dated that person one time. And all of a sudden you're distracted. Um, it's, it's, it can be difficult. I'm not trying to say it in a glib way that makes let me say, all you got to do is be yourself. But what I am saying is the fear of public speaking is an imaginary fear. The, it's, it feels real, but the consequences of public speaking poorly are not life-threatening and they're not dangerous and they're not even harmful to you. So it is a fight or flight response that is just a vestige of when we were less evolved than we are now, but it's still part of us. It's real in terms of you're experiencing it, but it's not real in terms of it is a tool developed in us to save our lives and our lives are not threatened at this point. So it's okay to come up with rituals or comfort things or, you know, having a, having a drink or a drink of water or a drink of something stronger or talking to somebody who you trust or listening to a particular piece of music, whatever it is to just sort of get you into the space you need to be in now. Because that is what manifests yourself. Now, there, those can be different too. When I'm when I'm going out to pitch, I just sort of want to be calm and just be myself. I listen to one piece of music. If I'm going out to present a class and I have to get my energy up to to get people excited, I listen to another like hard rock piece of music. I listen to it loud and 
and I get myself psyched so that the adrenaline starts pumping. Um, but I, this is what I do for a living, so I've developed these tools. If you're going to be maybe once in a while pitching in a public environment, I think it becomes anxiety manifests itself in many ways, not just in that environment. So whatever you do to make anxiety go away in your normal life can probably be just tweaked a little bit as far as the ritual goes right before you go on stage or five minutes before, 10 minutes before, whatever it is. Um, and then face it. And when things go wrong, learn how to forgive yourself. Yeah. 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 I think that's uh, some awesome advice to sort of end on. And uh, then, uh, you know, we're sort of nearing the end here. Uh, is there any final advice you would like to uh, give for writers who are looking to pitch? Yeah. If you're, if you're writing something on spec, if you haven't been hired to write something, um, write from your heart write a story you believe in and figure out who your audience is and that answer should always be yourself write something that you believe in write something that you think would be entertaining and i mean look i write for myself but i write for 12 year old myself right you know so it's like whatever 12 year old bob would say oh that's cool um i write it when i come up with an idea so decide what you want to write decide if you want to change the world by bringing to light some horrible injustice or if you want to speak to victim blaming or speak to uh, gender or LGBTQ issues, whatever it is that you are passionate about, write it. And then the pitching will come naturally because you're writing from your heart, which means when you have to tell your story verbally, you're telling it from your heart as well. Yeah. Mm. And people want to go on a journey with somebody who is irresistible and undeniable more so than if they care about what the story is if i'm being fully honest mm. um you get somebody to join you on you on the this amazing incredible ride and then they will ask for your script and as the script can stand on its own two feet next thing you know you're making a movie mm. it happens that fast you know so pour your heart into it don't try to protect yourself be vulnerable, be passionate in your writing, in your pitching, in your pursuit of this career, and watch a lot of movies and TV. Thank you. You should uh, do some like uh, public speaking to inspire people. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, I hope I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, we will be glad to have you. Thank you so much, Bob, for uh, taking the time to come on the podcast. It's really been an honor to have you. It was great to be here. Thanks. Bye-bye. So there you have it, my interview with Bob Schultz. He's a really great guy and I very much enjoyed the conversation and learned a lot and I hope you did too. Be sure to give us a follow on whatever platform you're listening to this on. It really helps us out and it keeps you updated on when we drop our new episodes. That's all for now. Take care until next time and remember, keep writing. Ooh.